Hey, my friend, glad to have you listening again. Hope you're holding up well during all this crazy time. I wanted to bring you today a story of hope, um, an inspiring story, two of the most um, really inspiring and fascinating, strong people uh, that you'll ever meet. Um, One of the greatest honors, probably the greatest experience and honor of my professional career and my personal career, frankly, um, was my time in the military, particularly the time that I spent in Iraq uh, in a combat hospital at Balad Air Base in Iraq in 2004 and 2005. And the story that you're about to hear um, is the story of a patient that I took care of there, um, a young man who, uh, military, uh, United States Army man who was injured in a car bombing, um, and I treated and operated on, uh, did brain surgery, um, and then got him stable enough that we were able to send him back to the States. And for most of the people that we took care of uh, in Iraq, we didn't we didn't get to know their names. We didn't ever get to know how they did or what happened to them. We sort of stabilized, put them on a C-130 or a C-17, and then they left, and we never saw or heard of them again. So it was uh, a great surprise to me many years later to hear um, through a, a, an Army chaplain uh, that this young man had not only survived his injuries, but that he had went on to have kind of a remarkable life. And the story of Scotty and his wife Tiffany Smiley is inspiring, it's uplifting, and at this time of uh, fear and scare and anxiety that's going on all around the world, a time when you might feel a little bit hopeless, a time when you might feel uh, uncertain, I think it would be good to hear from somebody who went through something terribly devastating, and it could have been the end of him, it could have been the last uh, of any kind of joy or, or goodness of his life. But he and his wife uh, found some way to see the light, to hold on to hope, uh, and to stand back up and uh, get back into life again. And boy, have they made a huge impact on this world. Scotty and Tiffany Smiley are going to teach us how to find hope no matter what's going on. And they're going to help us start today. Hey, I'm so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Wyoming in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa Warren. You can get my show notes and all the information about my show, my podcast, my newsletter, my books at WLeeWarrenMD.com. That's WLeeWarrenMD.com. We've got Scotty and Tiffany Smiley with us today. We're going to learn to hold on to hope no matter what's happening. Friend, I know you're going through a lot. We're praying for you. And this episode of the Dr. Lee Warren Podcast is going to give you a story to see that hope is never lost no matter how hard it is to see. Sit back and enjoy this great opportunity to get to know American heroes, Scotty and Tiffany Smiley. And as always, let's start today. Okay, folks, we're back. I am uh, extremely excited today to bring you uh, my friends, Scotty and Tiffany Smiley. Um, I've told you their story a little bit, but they're going to tell it to you in their own words today. Scotty and Tiffany, thanks for being with us today. No, thanks, Lee. We appreciate it. It's an honor. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's always good to to be with you guys. And um, let's, uh, Scotty, let's just get into your story. You guys tell us a little bit about your background, and then uh, and then let's just hear um, a little bit about where all this started for y'all. So I met the love of my life in sixth grade. Uh, didn't know who she was, but for some reason there was an attractiveness we both had towards each other. And I think it took me what six years uh, to mature a little bit before I got my first date, but we both were just, you know, infatuated with each other and really began our relationship. Um, I made a decision after graduating high school to attend the military academy in New York. And so being from Washington state, it was hard leaving your girlfriend and 
at least what you thought was important in your mind. Uh, but for me, it's what I was called to uh, do. And so after four great years of the academy, I was able to finally get married to my high school sweetheart and uh, unfortunately had to uh, leave and deploy to Iraq. And then that's when our world really began. Um, I always say that, you know, our story is sort of this beautiful picture of the American dream. Um, I, I was a nurse, had my bachelor's in science and nursing, and I was marrying this newly commissioned officer from the United States Military Academy. And our new last name was Smiley. That's so great. It doesn't get any better than that. And dating ourselves a little bit, if emojis existed then, it would have been all the heart eyes, you know, highly based emojis. Um, And, you know, it's, it really, I remember feeling the weight of the sacrifice. I didn't come from a military family. I came from a farming family in a town that had zero stoplights. Um, I didn't really know life outside of this little small town. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm getting married and my husband's going to a foreign country and I'm being asked to give up all these things and sign powers of attorney in case he dies and all these heavy things. And I remember just dedicating myself to to my work and to um, caring for people and being a nurse. I would take any shift. I would work weekends and Overtime, anytime I could work, I was working. And it really hit home when um, one day I was, I came home from my nursing shift and turned on the news. And on the news, right there in front of my face was Scotty, my husband, running around the streets of Mosul, Iraq with Geraldo Rivera. And Bombs were going off. Geraldo was ducking and shouting and yelling and Scotty's trying to organize his men right there in front of me. And it was a a reality check. And, you know, in those moments, it's, it's like you feel so hopeless and there's nothing you can do. And I just remember believing God, believing for Scotty's safety, um, praying for Scotty, knowing that the Lord would bring us through this. Um, but little did I know how much I would truly need that. Yeah. Um, six months yeah. later, I was woken out of bed at 3 a.m. by a phone call. And I got excited because Scotty would call at different times. And, and so it was an exciting phone call in the sense that I thought it was Scotty. But as I'm getting out of my sleepy fog, I'm realizing it's not Scotty's voice on the other end of the line. It was his commanders, and he just kept saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Wow. And he said, Scotty's come face-to-face with a suicide car bomb. He said, there's shrapnel in his eyes. And he goes, and I don't even know if he's going to survive. And this strong, stoic leader just broke down and started sobbing. And he just kept saying, I'm so sorry. He couldn't even catch his breath. And in that moment, our American dream blew up into a million pieces. Um, And I always say, you know, people say leaders don't show emotion or leaders don't cry. And I think we do. They do. Some of the best leaders do cry. Um, And it's that true humanity, that heartbeat, that heartbreak that we all have for each other. Um, and that was displayed in its rawest forms. And I, 
that, that day I got that phone call, you know, there's nothing I can do. I couldn't go see Scotty. I couldn't talk to him for five days. Um, and I, re- I resigned from my nursing job and knew this was going to be a whole nother world. Everything was ripped out from under us. Our lives, you know, in high school and love, you're a country at peace. There wasn't, there wasn't much in the world that we knew was, that was bad. But my sophomore year in 2001, our country was attacked um, by, by suicide uh, men who, who got into airplanes. And I realized that our life was going to be different, that my service to my country was going to be different. Uh, and then right before graduating in 2003 in March, we went into Iraq. And so the, the love that we had for each other was true and, and nice and hope and joy, but it also it meant our worlds were now turned upside down. And so what I was fighting, newly married, first anniversary apart, uh, it was hard. But again, we knew we were you know, fighting for a good and, and greater purpose. Right. And almost six months into my deployment, again, I lost my company commander. My boss was killed by someone who walked into the cafeteria and blew himself up. Uh, six of my men in my platoon were seriously injured, had to redeploy back to America, either being shot and or bombs in the road. Uh, as devastating as it was, we just had hope and, and congregated together that we were doing the right thing. Again, in six months, I now found myself, there's information, intelligence that there was a suicide car bomb. And I realized, you know, my job was to, to protect um, not only my men, uh, our job was to protect each other, but also the Iraqi people. And we spotted a suspicious vehicle. The back end of the car was lower than the front. And so for us, the rules of engagement, you can't just shoot someone because you're scared. Right. You had to follow the rules of engagement. And so I parked my striker vehicle just right next to him, parallel to his vehicle. I'm facing east. He's facing west. And uh, yelled at him to get out of his vehicle. He looked over his shoulder at me, raised his hands up and then let his foot off the brake. And that's when I fired around in front of his vehicle. And then, boom, my world went black. Mm. And that was, um, what was the date, April um, 5th? or April 6th. April 6th of 2005. Yeah. So I was, of course, uh, deployed in the Air Force as a combat neurosurgeon at the Balad Air Base. Um, They're... um, in Iraq, and we received a, a large number of casualties that day. Um, and at the time, I was I was writing a daily um, kind of email journal uh, back to my family and friends that had been kind of had been circulating um, around the world, and um, ended up being read like by twenty thousand or so people every day because um, they were sort of just finding out what we were doing over there, right? And I went back and, and found my journal, and um, on the 6th, I wrote, I'm too busy to do it, to talk to you all today. I'll, I'll write more tomorrow. And the next day, um, I wrote a story of a, so, of a person I didn't identify if it was Iraqi or American or any of that. I wrote the, a story of operating on a young man who had, had encountered a bomb and had lost his eyes, and we fought to save his life, and we weren't sure what was going to happen, and and uh, of talking to his wife. Um, but I didn't know for, what was it, t- 10 or 12 years that that was you guys. Um, um, 
I was in uh, Alabama for 11 years. Lisa and I practiced in Auburn, um, and I took care of a lady whose husband was a chaplain at Fort Benning, um, and then they subsequently moved to Fort Riley, Kansas, and we, of course, moved to Wyoming, and we heard from him, I think it was in 2016, probably. Um, he sent me an email, and he said, hey, I don't know if you remember me, I'm so-and-so, and you took care of my wife, and he said, but I'm at, I'm at Fort Riley, Kansas, and we just had this motivational speaker who came to talk to us, um, and he was injured on active duty, lost his vision, and and uh, and he's written a book, and he told me this whole story about you, and he said, but by, by the timing of when he was there, I bet you took care of this guy. And, and so I went and, of course, kind of Googled your name and all of that and found your book, and the first thing I noticed in your book, besides your amazing story, is that we have the same literary agent, which I thought was remarkable. Kathy Helmer's, <laughs> Kathy Helmer's like, we, how come she didn't tell me about this guy? Like, so um, then I went and I, I wasn't sure that it was that, that I had taken care of you, but the dates were right, and so then I went and pulled up my journal, and and it just it had to be you. So we, Lisa and I, reached out to y'all, and um, and we'd had this conversation that we figured out we really were the same people. Um, and I'm just amazed. I've said this to you before, but every time we talk, I, I just get, I'm really overwhelmed with the fact that you, you survived an injury that most people shouldn't have survived and that you didn't just become this disabled combat veteran. You became this other person that, that we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, and that speaks to a number of things. It, first, it speaks to God and His great grace and power. But it, second, it speaks to just you two people are are two of the most remarkable, strong, driven people that I've ever encountered. And and as we're going to get to in a few minutes when we tell that story, like you could have done a lot of things in the rest of your lives. I mean, you could have become this this injured guy whose wife takes care of him, or you could have become this bitter, you know shriveled up person who was mad at the world and but you didn't do those things you you did a lot of other things that i can't wait for you to tell the listeners about um this podcast was downloaded in 70 countries last month and so people all over the world are going to hear your story and i know your your book's been out there but but the most remarkable thing about the whole deal to me i think is that you were faced with what really was a seemingly hopeless situation you're never going to see again you might not have your cognitive powers again. You might not be able to move one side of your body again. And all those strikes were lined up against you. But what you chose to do next was grasp onto hope. And I, that's the story I want to hear now. Um, but before we do that, one other funny part of the story, Tiffany, is that for 10 or 12 years, you thought the guy that called you that night was an Asian guy named Dr. Lee, right? Yes. Yeah. So. That's what- you know, the military is a big, small world. Yeah. I, <laughs> all I knew was Dr. Lee called me. Yep. And you identified yourself as that. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, you told me that his his one eye was removed. And you did say, I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, we are going to have to remove his other eye. I left it. We left it. We sewed it shut. Um, and we stabilized everything else. Um, but you know, that eye will probably have to be removed. And I remember that feeling like the nail that shut the coffin, like 
it's like, it is finished. It is done. And it, you know, and then I was going through like, okay, you know, I couldn't go see Scotty. I couldn't go to Germany. He, He was stabilized enough to go to Germany. Um, and I had no idea how we were going to do this. And I think this is where hope shows up. Right. Hope shows up when you really have no idea how you're going to proceed. But I had a little glimmer that it wasn't going to have to be hopeless. Wow. And so I met Scotty at Walter Reed. I took my first one-way trip to Washington, D.C. And I realized very quickly that I had a choice to make. Um, it was a hopeless situation. You know, like you said, everything was lined up against us. I was hearing it all from the doctors, the facts. I was listening to the facts. Being a nurse, I understood very clearly what they were. Yeah. And I remember thinking, well, if hope is real and God's telling me there's something more for your life, I'm going to walk in and I'm going to speak truth and hope and life. And even if Scotty doesn't understand it right now, he's going to understand it someday. And so I would walk in his room and I would tell Scotty, you're going to be a speaker. You're going to be a teacher. You're going to write a book someday. Wow. And I said, no, no, and no. Uh, Because again, my mind and where I was uh, when I was deployed, I was in the best shape of my life. I was Ranger qualified, airborne, scuba, infantryman had paperwork. Um, I, I hadn't processed it, but wanted to go to the Ranger Regiment. Yeah, I had was in the best life that, that I could ever imagine living. And now I'm waking up in Walter Reed, blind the rest of my life, temporarily, partially paralyzed. And in my mind, what, what was it? What, I was hopeless. I, there was no yeah. expectation or confidence that my life would be better. Uh, but it was my wife who showed love, truth and compassion and it was took me to understand the fullness of forgiveness uh, but more so that 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 I had to ask God to forgive me for denying him and once I made that decision that's when my journey and and my life truly began in which I began that recovery process uh, like Tiffany said given a choice I'm glad she still chose to hang out with me and be with me and be by my side and Sometimes I may not be the most uh, fun guy to be around, but it's that partnership and just to expect with confidence, the Mm -hmm. definition of hope that we now are expecting with confidence that life was going to be better, that this wasn't the end of my life. This was a new chapter, a new day, and the race was still going. And for me, that was one of the best choices I made in life was to choose to live, uh, but was to most of all to choose hope. And there's an interesting moment that happened in the hospital. Um, Obviously it's devastating news when you're laying there and all of a sudden you find out you're never going to see again. Um, But the eye surgeon at Walter Reed wanted to do a surgery on Scotty's other eye that he had. And he thought, you know, might as well try because if I be seeing some light, we might as well see if we can get anything, you know, some light is better than no light. And so it was interesting because Scotty was still coming to terms with everything that had happened. And he was really holding out a lot of hope for this eye surgery. He, he would ask us about it every day. And when is the surgery coming and how long? And 
he was he was really looking forward to the eye surgery. And the night before his surgery, um, one of his best friends was in the room and he said, Scotty, why don't you say a prayer? Um, you know, just for your surgery tomorrow and for tonight. And Scotty said, I don't know if I know who God is anymore. And I don't know how to pray. And this was coming from Scotty, a man. People called him the oak. Like he was solid in his faith. He loved the Lord. And now, in a sense, he was saying, I I don't know if I love a God who allowed this to happen to me. Wow. And you could have heard a pin drop in the room, but something amazing happened. And I I truly believe this is the spirit that God gives us and the hope that he gives us is immediately, I didn't care about his eyesight. I didn't care about the surgery. I remember I went back into my room and I was nervous about the surgery. Of course, I wanted something more for him. If he could have a little bit of eyesight at that moment, like that was everything to us in that, in that time. Yeah. And I went back to my room and I just said, I don't care about his eyesight. Like give him a heart for you. Give him hope, give him light and bring him back tenfold than he ever would have been before. Wow. I mean, it's, and I remember seeing the surgeon afterwards, he was so defeated and so sad to just tell us there was nothing he could do. And he had to whisper in Scotty's ear. But I think that that was the moment for you too, that you, you sort of were like, it, it is done. It is finished. Like, and let's move yes. on and move, move and live life. Uh, Cause there's so many things in life that we face and it sounds like the end of our, end of our career, end of our, end of our life. We can't see how we can live anymore with these circumstances that we're faced with. But once you see past it, once you understand that there's so such a bigger life and a bigger world out there than what our little thimble uh, brain can comprehend, it sets the world free. It takes all bonds and all, all barriers away. And it's what, that's what it had. That's what had to happen. I think it was that, that road that we both had to go up down and understand enabled us to to live life and to see life so much more completely and so much more fully wow. again truly happy. that's amazing and you know the there's a passage in the bible where paul's uh, referencing abraham and you know the abraham story of him being promised that he would father you know the basically countless generations of of, of nations but he was old, right? He and his wife were a hundred years old, and there was no way, by our standards, that that that, that was going to come true. And Paul says, "Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed." And so I've said, yeah. faith faith lives in that little gap between against and hope. That's that's where it is. And 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 so you just described basically the more important target that you were shooting at the wrong target, right? It's like I got to have vision, but what yeah. you had to have was heart. Like you had to have hope, and I love that. I, I just love your story so much. Now, folks, you don't know all of Scotty's story yet, and Tiffany's, but but it would be enough if you just if you just survived that, and you came out with your faith intact, and you went on with your lives, and you were just a normal guy. That would be enough to be a super inspiring story. I mean, but your story doesn't stop there. Like your. It's probably an understatement to say that the two of you are sort of overachievers, right? (laughs) You both do lots of stuff. 
So you so, live an exciting life. <laughs> you do live an exciting life. So tell us just the the bullet points because you've got you could talk for we could talk for three hours about all the stuff y'all have done in the last ten twelve years. Give us the bullet points of of the the steps that you guys have taken together, um, not in, including that you have a family now that you didn't have then. So t- talk to us about all those things. So in the, uh, at Walter Reed, I had power of attorney and even though I didn't want to sign it and I hated every minute we went into the lawyers before Scotty deployed, I now had power of attorney. And so the doctors, um, social workers came to me, um, to sign the paperwork to begin Scotty's medical retirement and retire him from the military. Right. And I told them, no, I wasn't going to sign it. And, um, you know, the doctors, were very factual with me and said he has no eyes. There's never been someone to continue service to our country with no eyes signed the paperwork. And I said, no, because I believed in that. I, I believed in this bigger vision that Scotty wasn't going to live this hopeless life, that we right. weren't just going to, you know, live on, a, you know, be a disabled veteran that just lived with no purpose. I, I, I didn't, I didn't want that for him. And um, so anyway, so we didn't sign it. So it ultimately led him to become the first blind active duty officer to continue service to our country. Wow. And I was able to further my education, go back to the military academy where I graduated from, was able to be an instructor, had a company command, climb mountains, end up finishing Ironman, uh, just had an amazing life. Uh, but every day, you know, with love and a team that stood by my side that we accomplished goal after goal. And we moved eight times in 10 years, and then we've had three beautiful little boys along the journey, wow. and they were all born in different cities across the country. And I think, so Scotty's never seen his children, and they were born after all of this. And something that's so beautiful that's come back to us full circle is that these little boys that we're raising, they don't know disability. They don't know, like, when you say you can be anything you want to be, they believe it. Wow, that's right. <laughs> because they've grown up with a dad who, who can't see, but they don't ever see him as as not being able to do something. We We don't live a life of excuses. We take them off the table completely. So it's never like, Oh, dad can't do this because he's blind. It's like, dad can't do that, but let's look at another way of doing it. Um, and so our, our little boys are just, it's been such an incredible, beautiful journey to watch them and their relationship with Scotty and just how like he can't see them, but he is a hundred percent the best dad I've ever seen. And the way he knows their heart and who they are. I mean, you can't, you can't get that. That's, that's a gift that we never knew was in the rough. You know, that's, wow. that's a gift that we never expected. That's amazing. Now in the, in all those bullet points, uh, we, you know, you gloss over a few things there, but so you, you went back to active duty as the first blind active duty officer. You got a couple of promotions, right? You're a, a two LT when you deployed, right? Right. And you ended up as a captain. Do you finish as a captain? Or, yeah. I finished as a major. A major. Okay. So three three promotions um, after going back on active duty as a blind officer. You got, uh, in, in the short sentence where you said you furthered your education, you got an MBA from Duke, right? 
I did. So not an online, not an online degree from, uh, you know, your local community college, but you, you got an MBA from one of the finest institutions in the world. Um, you taught at West Point, you climbed Mount Rainier, which is a glaciated hard mountain to climb. Even if you can see, um, Ironman triathlons, you guys have done just some amazing things. And, and Tiffany, so, so you wrote a book and you started that kind of left into a, or led into a public speaking career, right? Yeah. So you do a lot of public speaking and Tiffany, you started influencing and leading other women and, and you've had now a very successful uh, career as a, as an entrepreneur and a public speaker. Tell us about your ministry. Yes. Yeah, so Scotty was mad at me, but he, he, he wrote a book, Hope Unseen, and I started seeing people, they wanted to hear from him. They wanted him to come speak. And he said, well, I wrote a book. Why do I have to go speak now? <laughs> Can't they read my book? <laughs> kind of infantryman mindset. <laughs> yes, that's right. So I, so I started our speaking business. And I always joke that I went from, you know, science. I love science and the human body. And so I went from a science nerd to running business um, and built our speaking business from the ground up. Um, and Scotty was mad at me at first for starting it. And I understand he had a lot on his plate, but I, in my heart of hearts, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that you don't waste the gifts and talents that, that God gives you right here and right now. That's right. Um, and so I said, people need to hear your story. And I started our speaking business and that was incredible. But something that happened in my journey was I, so here I, you know, built this business for our family, um, was, running operations, running everything, traveling with Scotty and doing the speeches. He was still active duty during this time. We had our three little boys and I, I hit a brick wall. Um, I I needed to grieve. I needed to go through the process myself. And so on the outside, it looked like, Oh, everything's just put back together and perfect, but I needed space to grieve and really think, you know, who am I? And I will say the most courageous um, thing that I've done in this journey is raise my hand and say, I need help wow. um, as, as a support, as a caregiver, as a mother, you know, running our business. That is the most courageous thing um, that I've done. And um, so raising my hand and saying, I need help and going through the grief process really allowed me to step back and go, okay, here we are now 15 years later, we've done all these great things, but I'm, I'm still that nurse. I'm still, yeah. you know, a little girl who loves to go ride a horse bareback through the fields. Like, where's that little girl at? And how are you going to show up now, Tiffany? Because, you know, it's really, I think championing Scotty was the greatest honor of my life to be a, a hero to a hero. But I think to serve well and, and to lead well and, um, you have to champion yourself. And so I really, I really had to figure out what that meant. And as I did that, I started my more than me platform. So I've already, I'm like, I already started a business. So why can't I start another one? Um, and, and that's why I always love our lives are our resume. It's, it is truly your life and your experience and, and the, the ups and downs and everything that you go through. So I started more than me, a platform for women. I have experts from beginning beginners um, because I wanted the path to be easier for women. I didn't want it to be as difficult as, as what I had to yeah. go through. So I publicly speak all over um, the country and I'm doing that virtually now. 
um, and then have a virtual online program called More Than Me that is for women, um, entrepreneurs, business women, and we connect through expert calls and um, various programs and events that I do all over the country. Um, and it's, you know, I think it's always worth fighting for your purpose. And um, it, it changes and life's always going to throw you curveballs and bumps in the road. But I always say, you know, these mountains that come up in our lives or the mountains that have come up in my life, I used to look at them as these burdens and these huge obstacles and getting in my way. And now I see them as opportunities that everything that we face, it's, it's the Lord saying, this is your opportunity. Yeah. Are you going to climb the mountain? Are you going to crumble at the bottom? And so I look at every, everything that we get to do is just mountains that we get to go climb. And we're climbing a lot of them. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, I, as we're, segueing towards the end of this program today um we're obviously in the middle of kind of an unprecedented moment in our world um rare time when everybody in the world is dealing with the same problem right this this covid-19 uh quarantine um pandemic situation that we're in and if you look at what you guys just described um you think about 15 years ago you went through the hardest thing that you could have imagined. I mean, other than dying, I mean, you, you, you really went through something that right. would, would have been the hardest thing anybody would expect to encounter in their lifetime. And yet here, 15 years later, you can look back at that as the defining moment that kind of set you up as the person who now is having such an impact, has three amazing kids, has this beautiful marriage and this impact all over the world. Like give us, give us just a, a minute or two, you guys of, how people can find some way to look at what we're all going through right now, other than despair. Yeah. It's, it's about, it's, it goes back to hope. It's expecting with confidence, even though things may look grim, uh, the, the, the fear of, of whether or not you got the virus, the fear of, you know, I have three elderly grandparents in their nineties of them losing them. There is so much fear if we just look at immediately what's in front of us. Yeah. But again, it's going back to expect with confidence that there is a plan, that God has a plan for us, and that if we believe in it and we stay true, there is and always will be hope that life will be better. Life will That's continue. Right. And as Tiffany and I have been through some of the worst moments of anyone's life, my life almost being taken from me, my wife, Tiffany's husband's life almost being taken from her, and her life being flipped upside down is we look at that and we not only survived through that chaotic time, but we thrived in it. We, yeah. we accelerated, we accomplished goals and ambitions that most well-bodied individuals can't, but it's because we stuck to faith and hope. And we, you know, as the Bible says, faith without nothing, you know, faith without works is nothing. Yeah. So it's putting your best foot forward, not just sitting at home, but looking and figuring out how you can accomplish uh, what your goals and what your opportunities are, not just looking at the obstacles in front of you. Again, that's where I always go back to having hope and expecting with confidence that life is good and, and it will always be great. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I think for me, you know, in my darkest moments in those hardest days, there's so much unknown. I also feel like it is our, greatest opportunity that choice 
begs of us to make a decision. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do? And that's something that is offered to all of us. Yeah. Christ's love, Christ's hope is offered to all of us. Um, and it is in those transforming moments, I think, that in our humanity, we know that there is light or that there is another perspective. And I just firmly believe in going to the light yeah. and believing in that vision and holding on to that with everything that you have. And when you do that, it's almost like the darkness, it does fade. The yeah. noise calms. You, be, you believe in the vision and the path and the way that you're going more than you believe in anyone else's doubt. Wow. And when you truly have that, you know, nothing, nothing is impossible. Um, I think that there's going to be some really great, beautiful things come from that will come from this time in our worlds, in the world, everywhere, yeah. not just here yeah. in the United States, globally. Yeah. That it's, it's truly an opportunity to go back to what matters. And I don't know about you all, but I want as much light in my life as I can get. That's right, man. Beautifully said. And what a perfect way to end. Um, again, guys, I can't thank you enough for taking an hour of your time and, and being with us here. And, um, I know that your message is going to inspire hope, uh, to a lot of folks around the world and, um, just love y'all so much. No, thanks, lady. Thank you. Thank you, guys. God bless. God bless. Well, it's always so inspiring uh, to spend some time with Scotty and Tiffany. I hope that you uh, have gained some perspective and um, some hope from their story. Um, It's such an honor uh, for me to be part of their story, a small part of their story. And we're uh, incredibly grateful for the work that they're doing, for the example that they're setting. And folks, uh, no matter what you're going through, Take a page from Scotty and Tiffany and understand that no matter how hard it is to see, there's always hope. You just have to start today. Thanks for listening. The Dr. Lee Warren Podcast is brought to you by I've Seen the End of You, a neurosurgeon's look at faith, doubt, and the things we think we know available everywhere books are sold from Waterbrook, Penguin Random House, and especially right now, don't forget to support your local booksellers. Hey, you can check out my website, wleewarnmb.com, for more information about my show, my newsletter, my books, everything about me. Lisa is at Lisa D. Warren on Instagram and Twitter. I am Dr. D-R-L-E-E-W-A-R-R-E-N. That's at Dr. Lee Warren on Instagram and Twitter, at Doc Lee Warren on Facebook. We'd love to connect with you. Please subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. The theme music for this show is Blue Highway by Pottington Bear. You can get it for free at freemusicarchive.org. That's Blue Highway by Pottington Bear, available for free at freemusicarchive.org. Hey, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and you have to start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. We'll talk to you next time. God bless. Be safe out there. Be kind to your neighbor. Keep praying for everybody. We'll see you soon.